0: Diane and I have been married for 46 years, and it's interesting to look back on the Christmases that we've had over that time. Now, the first three years, it was just Diane and I, and then children happened. Okay, Four of the next six Christmases, we added a child, and then came the time of assembling toys of some kind, uh, making sure we could child-proof everything. I... trying to give equally to the four of them. But most importantly, it was just great to see the joy of Christmas morning. Now, we didn't have a lot, and we couldn't always give the the latest toys or the the best of everything that maybe some of their friends were getting. But I think our kids were satisfied with what they were given. Uh, Then Christmases started to change. Okay, Our kids became young adults and started getting married and moving away and all those things that that come with growing up. And then they started having their own kids. And we got together for many Christmases, but it got difficult uh, because there became more and more grandkids. And our house wasn't all that big. We had people sleeping in the closet, you know, on the floor. Uh, some people from church let us borrow a, an RV one year and we parked that outside. Um, but now it's just nice. We enjoy hearing about four different Christmases. And we still get to kind of take part a little bit as much as we can, anyways. But praise the Lord. All of our kids know the meaning of Christmas and they keep it and they pass it on to their kids. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks that um, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us and you sent him to be an example for us. You sent him to give us the, the freedom that we would have no other way. And so, Lord, as we get ready to, to celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, let us make sure that we keep him in the, the forefront, that we um, don't let him get lost in food and the presents and the parties and the get-togethers, that whatever we do, that Jesus is kept at the center of um, all of our celebrations, all of our times together. So, Father, as we look at your word, Lord, help us to look a little further and in a different way at the real meaning of Christmas. Lord, let us have our eyes and our hearts and our minds open. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been listening to Christmas music since uh, the beginning of November. Actually, we listened in July when we were on a road trip and it was 100 degrees. We thought maybe it would cool us off, I guess, as we've listened to K-Love Christmas. But there's some songs we have heard over and over and over again. Sometimes it's a different singer or group, and some of the, the renditions we like, you know, the way they've maybe made it, you know, a little bit faster or whatever, and some we have not liked. But most people have their favorite Christmas carols, Christmas hymns, and One of them that I like the best is Mary, Did You Know? Uh, That's been sung by many, many people. Uh, But the other one I like is is an older Christmas song. Uh, It was written in 1843 by a renowned poet at that time in France. And the the local uh, Catholic priest had asked him, to write a poem that, that could be read on Christmas Eve at their service. And so this man uh, wrote this, like I say, as a poem later was put to music. But the author of Oh Holy Night was an atheist. But he uh, read through the book of Luke and got the Christmas story. And um, I think he did a pretty good job. But there's one song that we hear often. It's sung by a whole lot of different people. Uh, the Beach Boys, Justin Bieber, uh, Dolly Parton, Mariah Carey, The Jackson Five, uh, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Springsteen, and many, many others. My personal favorite is the one that, I don't know if he was the original singer, but it's the one I like the best, and that's Burl Ives. Santa Claus is coming to town. Okay, we've heard that over and over for years and years. But the message really isn't the greatest. Okay, the chorus goes like this. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and he's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. And it goes on, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Andy Williams sang a song that had a similar message, Happy Holidays, where it goes, it's the holiday season and Santa Claus has a toy for every good girl and good little boy. Okay, what they're telling our kids in those songs is, unless you're good, you're getting nothing. Okay, you have to be on the nice list. And if you're on the naughty list, then you are out of luck. Okay, and this message is the opposite of the real message of Christmas. Now, I'm sure early in our parenthood that we told our kids the same thing, you know, you better be good, Santa Claus is watching you. And uh, so we kept up with that, just like a lot of parents did at that age. And I think when our oldest was about seven or eight, uh, we kicked Santa out. But now, now there is the elf on the shelf to terrorize kids. Okay, The elf has been around since 2005. And looking this up, I found that there's actually rules and regulations that are supposed to be followed. Now, I didn't look any of them up to see what they were, but what happens if you break one? You know, I mean, do the kids turn you in? Is there an 800 number that they can call? Hey, my father, he told me this, and that violates Section 101B, and so I want something done about that. Well, I don't know. But we don't do Elf on the Shelf either. So let's take a look at what we should be observing at Christmas and what we should be instilling in our children. Psalm 139 is a good place to start. And I'll be using the NIV most of the time. I'll try and remember, let you know if I'm using something else. <coughs> well, God is asking, or excuse me, David is asking God. To examine him. Now, God doesn't need David's permission, okay? He's always examining all of us. But in verse 7 of Psalm 139, David asks two questions Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Well, this tells us that we're always under God's watchful eye, not just at certain times not just in specific places, but everywhere all the time. And this is something that I know I need to remember, and maybe you do too, that we're not out of God's sight at any time. Back many years ago, a coworker of mine was telling about a party that he had gone to, and alcohol was, of course, involved. And he was a regular church attender. But, you know, he got involved with this woman at this party. And, you know, his thought was, you know, who's going to know? You know, there was just me and her and, you know, nobody's going to know. Well, wrong. Okay, Mr. Church Attender, you should know who was going to know. Well, then going on in in verses 8 and 9 of Psalm 139, David gives some possible places to try and hide. Okay, he says, if I go up to the heavens... Or I go down to the depths. Now he's giving us those because it's two totally opposite destinations. Okay, the heavens go on forever. And the depths go down to the, the deepest in the sea. And he says, you know, maybe on the, the wings of dawn or on the far side of the sea. Okay, he's trying to get lost going horizontally. First it was vertically. Now it's horizontally. But we know that God has his eye on us as far as the east is from the west. So then in verse 10, David admits, you know, there's just no escaping God. Because he says, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Okay, David talks about escaping God, but at the same time, he recognizes the comfort of God's presence verses 11 and 12 tells us of the enormity of God David says if I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me even the darkness will not be dark to you and the night will shine like the day to you God's always everywhere and he's examining us okay We need to make sure that we remember that he sees us no matter what, no matter where. Now, he may rejoice in what he sees when he examines us and tell us, you know, well done, my good servant, Luke 19, 17. Or he may say, you're better than this. You know, I expect more from you. But I still love you. So two things we know about David. One, he was not perfect. Okay, he was an adulterer and a murderer. Okay, he committed adultery with the wife of one of his soldiers and then he put a contract out on him and had him killed. But David says this in Psalm 17:8, "But keep me as the apple of your eye." Okay, so David was God's choice to be king and his throne to continue forever through his family. So most of us fall kind of in between there someplace, between the adulterous murderer and the apple of God's eye. So what about Jesus? What did he say about the good and the bad, the naughty and the nice? Well, take a look at Luke 5. Okay, Jesus has called Matthew or Levi, the tax collector, to follow him. And Matthew accepts and he wants to party. You know, he wants to celebrate this. And so, who is invited to this party? Oh, his fellow tax collectors and a bunch of other sinners, which could include anybody. Well, the Pharisees happened to be in the neighborhood and they complained to Jesus' disciples. And Jesus. He hears them whining, and he responds in Luke 5, 31 and 2. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, I haven't come for the good. I haven't come for the nice. I've come for the naughty, the bad, those that need me. But we know that everybody needs him. So what he's saying is, he brought that gift to me and you, <coughs> excuse me, because we were sick. We were part of the sick, you know? And he never said, you know, I really like you, Don, but you need to clean up your act, you know? And once you get your act cleaned up, you know, then you can be one of my followers. But instead, he said, I take the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, because if he didn't, he'd have no followers, because one of us falls into any of those categories. Jesus came that we would believe what John 14, 6 says. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. To prove it, Jesus gives the gift to everyone. Okay? And to show that it can't be too bad, what about the thief on the cross? Okay, we're not told what his crime was, but it didn't matter to Jesus because he told that man in Luke 23, 43, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. You think it was a coincidence that this man was crucified next to Jesus? No, I think not. It was to let me know that I was accepted, no matter what my sin is, that I'm going to be accepted. You know, I don't think I've ever done anything bad enough to be crucified, but if I have, Jesus would say, that's okay, you'll be with me in paradise. So whether you pout or cry, whether you're good or bad, whether you're nasty or nice, God loves you. And the gift that he gives is the same for everyone. Okay? The good and little old grandma that you got, she's not going to get something more than what you got. Okay? He gives the same gift to everyone. So our goodness, or our badness, has nothing to do with God's love and forgiveness. But try to be good because He is coming again. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that you accept me, you accept us, those that know you uh, and have made a commitment to you, that we got accepted just because you loved us. And, Lord, help me to remember that, to remember that you took me out of the, the trash pile that I was part of and lifted me up and cleaned me up. And continue to to draw me closer to you. So, Father, help me to to walk as close to you as you want me to be. And I know that's right, tight, side by side. So, Father, I just give you thanks that I'm accepted with my goodness and badness. And you still love me. And you'll continue to forgive me. Lord, I know there's maybe someone that's listening to this that, that doesn't know you. You know, they've maybe heard about Jesus as part of Christmas somehow, but don't really know the story. And maybe they're interested, maybe they're not. And there's probably some that have heard that story over and over and over again. And they've watched movies and they've gone to church and seen things acted out and and all, but they've never made that commitment to you that they need to make. Because, like Jesus said, No one gets to the Father except through him. And so, Lord, let them know that now is the time to make that commitment. Now is the time to turn their lives over to you. That, Lord, you and you alone can make the difference that they want, the difference that they need. And, Lord, they may not know that they want it, but, Lord, I know that they need it, just like I did. So, Father, let them know that you're ready to forgive, you're ready to pour out your love, and you're ready to give them the direction that they need. And so, Father, let them pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I need a Savior. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your acceptance of me, a sinner, that you love me just like I am, and you accept me just like I am, and I praise you for that.